Another busy weekend and a busy show here on the Randy Tobler Show. Leah's there making sure everything's good. Still recovering from the big birthday bash for Newstalk STL, the second birthday on Thursday afternoon. Uh, I was unable to make it. I wish I could, but uh, I, I felt like I was there watching all of the goings on and the uh, the great pictures that were there. Tony Colombo is going to be joining us later in the program to give his impressions of how the birthday party went. And of course, um, you know, how uh, I, the one thing I didn't see, and I will ask Tony why the picture didn't appear on the Facebook uh, page, but I was hoping to see that that picture of Vic Purcelli and his Speedo jumping out of the birthday cake. Uh, I, I, I guess it happened. I just they didn't want to put it on there. Is that right, Leah? No. How did the Vic jumping out of the cake <laughs> with the Speedo work out? Did, um, work out well, I missed it, but. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, and yeah, I heard I you had some, several of the listeners shared with me that they enjoyed meeting you and uh, talking with you and now uh, mm -hmm. uh, a big part of the, the News Talk family. And it's great how this, this station has grown uh, by leaps and bounds in just the first two years. And um, it's, it's really exciting. And of course, there's so many more great years of programming to go. Uh, thank you all for your support, not only Thursday, but of course, all of the past couple of years. Tell your friends and family about it we're running into an important season here now of the political season as the cycle of the election the primaries get going the, the first gop debate here in just a few weeks in august uh, whether or not donald trump shows up or not yeah who knows uh, interesting placement we find out yesterday and earlier in the week from the judges uh, in the various trials for trump first of all the in march will be the the stormy daniels hush money trial and then the mar-a-lago documents trial in may it was just announced the other day uh, right in the middle of uh <clears throat> well by may i imagine most of the hoopla will be over in the gop primary but um in march uh, probably still be going on <clears throat> so see whether that affects things either in the primary and or the the general depending on how the landscape changes i have some thoughts about the Democrat side of the fence and uh, whether it's the RFK or uh, Joe Biden. Oh, my gosh. For the first time, for the first time, Leah, we have a combined every week, guys, we try to bring you a, uh, a bite that combines uh, that that uh, is the, the Biden bite, we call it, of the of the week. <clears throat> and that's, of course, one of Joe's uh, fantastic, gaftastic Joe Biden, one of his uh, great uh, sayings of the week. And uh, uh, but we also have something we call the uh, the bagel wind the bagel wind bite of the week now biden of course has dominated on the biden bite of course but um 
usually on the bag of wind, it's been Kamala Harris. But we have a new a new bag of wind this uh, this week, and we'll play that for you a little bit later. Coming up on the show, May Mailman, who was a associate counsel and legal advisor to Donald Trump, will join us to talk about <clears throat> the uh, just the unbelievable. Um, earth-shattering testimony, first from the IRS whistleblowers on Wednesday, and then, of course, we had the contentious um, censorship hearings, which, uh, the, again, twice in a consecutive days, the Democrats made fools of themselves up in committee land in, uh, in D.C. So Mayo help us uh, unpack that. And the indictment, especially the indictment on Trump. What does that mean? The J6 indictment, which will be coming down uh, from uh, from Jack Smith, as Trump was given a letter that he is a target of that investigation and of the grand jury, that almost always uh, previews an actual indictment. That'll be the third time. And, of course, the Fannie Willis down in Georgia uh, doing the same uh, from that perspective in Fulton County and surrounding. She has jurisdiction beyond Fulton County, even though she's the Fulton County D.A., um, we're going to be talking about something else that um, is maybe creeping into a world near you, and that is the return of some surveillance by the state. David Stokes talked with him uh, on Thursday, and I wanted to uh, share that interview with you at uh, 7. Kathy Barnett will join us at 725. She is the grassroots director to Vivek Ramaswamy. Why are we talking to her? Because you're hearing that name more, and in a recent poll, He's neck and neck, second place with Ron DeSantis. So he is, uh, his stock price is rising in the GOP circles. And we'll invite your calls and thoughts uh, on what you think uh, the landscape may look like. Not only the GOP primary, the Democrat primary, and who will be the candidates in the two parties? And will there be a third on November in November of 2024? Kalen Dorr will join us to talk about a topic that I, it's one of those things, Leah, I know you being a young whippersnapper that is all over the, you know, you do the, the social media like um, I write a letter uh, and, and lick a stamp. Uh, it's just easy going for you on that stuff and the technology. I'm pretty good at it myself. Not as, not as facile as your generation, but this artificial intelligence thing, it was, I saw a CEO of a startup company the other day said he fired 90% of his employees because AI does a better job. And we're going to talk with a, with an expert on that and see what, uh, what he thinks of it. And then of course, Tony Colombo at 825 with his thoughts of what's going on in the world and a little bit of a review of what happened Thursday night at the big bash for news talk STL. Uh, Leah Vick did behave himself, didn't he? And, <laughs> yes. Uh, I hope that. Okay, yeah, it's, it's hard to lasso, hard to how hard to rein him in. But that's why he's an award-winning broadcaster with the Missouri Broadcaster Award. You know, so okay. Well, that's good. Glad he did well. Hey, let's start out. Um, let's start out with a little sound this morning to set the stage. Um, the other day at the censorship hearings, um, it was so ironic. Actually, we'll start out with um, the Tom Massey clip. Uh, at the very top of the oversight or the weaponization of government's hearings on uh, censorship, that is about the collusion of government, you know, telling social media, uh, you know, what to censor, what to not, you know, take a look at this account. There's misinformation here. And RFK Jr. was, of course, the the highlight uh, uh uh, witness at that, although there was another one, and that, that's a brilliant uh, clip we have on that. Um, and right off the top, at the censorship 
as a weapon of government hearing, <laughs> the Democrats made a formal motion to prevent RFK, who had major problems with the COVID vaccine. It turns out he later said, by the way, that he is vaccinated. He gets his regular. He's had his regular series of vaccinations. So I think there may be some mis conception that he's a total anti-vaxxer. I think he's got it wrong. I believe he's one that believes that the MMR, measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, causes autism. He's left back in the 90s if he still has that view. That's been disproven and that researcher discredited. At any rate, um, here is here is the kind of rhetoric we heard as rationale for why the Democrats wanted to censor RFK at an at an but an anti-weaponization by censorship hearing on Thursday morning. This is just a little montage. Uh, this is Tom Massey calling out the hypocrisy. This is clip number six, Leah, clip number six. Dakota. The hypocrisy. Wow. The irony and cognitive dissonance from the other side of the aisle. It's deafening. You could cut it with a knife. They are at the same time denying that censorship is occurring but suggesting that there's more material that needs to be censored. This is a hearing on censorship that began with an effort, with a formal motion from the other side of the aisle to censor Mr. Kennedy. They do not want him to speak, yet that is the topic of this hearing. They have kept him from speaking. A collusion between the government and private organizations. Mr. Okay, I mean, that... That says all that needs to be said when when religious fanatics lose all touch with reality. And it's happened with um, even the Christian faith. I mean, look at what happened with the Spanish Inquisition. There have been other things in the name of uh, religion that have uh, led so-called people of the Judeo-Christian faith to do some terrible atrocities. But... In the political sense, it's an atrocity for Democrats in this setting to be wanting to censor. I mean, how tone deaf can they be? How self-destructive can they be when they want to censor this? Now, if you go to, but yet they double down on it. And I give you as uh, exhibit one on that, Representative Linda Sanchez and Representative Conloy, respectively from California, Virginia, who assure us that no, 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 we, we need to continue with this kind of government collusion and weaponization. Listen. Given this to the, clip number the United States is absolute, and that includes the right to free speech. Protective measures were taken to take down disinformation about vaccines and about the nature of the virus and about protective measures we could take, including masks including social distancing. We are not trying to censor speech. We are simply trying to create factually correct information to prevent harm to people. It was public health measures to protect lives. Again, something should be celebrated. So, uh, yeah, while, while I think there has been a little bit of an overstep on many on the right who's saying, who try to, who sort of conflate or, or confuse the, the risk lowering aspects of a vaccine or a mask with 
absolute value to them in that they either do or don't work, meaning it's either absolute protection or it isn't. It's perfectly clear that the government's approach to censorship of skeptics who turned out later to be mostly right when it came to oh lack of transmission of the virus from the vaccine, when it came to lack of um, as much effectiveness from masks and social distancing as anyone imagined um, as we learn more about the, vac- uh, the, the, the virus. The likes of Scott Atlas, the likes of Dr. J. Bhattacharya and others. Uh, of course, RFK himself, I think, deserves some credibility for calling out and being skeptical about this new technology, which, while I don't think it has the harm that many people do, it certainly didn't offer as much value as uh, the government would like us to have believed. Uh, and certainly, I think a lot of the side effects and the potential damage, uh, especially in certain groups, was... Um, was understated and those who wanted to state opinion whether or not whether it was right or wrong were squelched and uh, it was one of the major um, infringements on our constitutional rights that we've ever seen so uh, with that as a as a context we're going to talk to another to an expert and that is um, may mailman who i uh, had the conversation with yesterday from independent women's forum i want you to share that with you because she's an expert on the donald trump situation on the j6 uh, impending indictment and about the hearings, both the IRS whistleblower and the uh, the hearings we've been talking about here. It's a wild, wild time up in D.C. The stench of the swamp is um, prevalent all the way, like the Canadian uh, smoke coming down to the northeast and in parts of the Midwest. The stench from D.C. spreads from sea to shining sea, from Alaska to Hawaii and across all of the 50 states, contiguous or not. That's why we need to demantle, dismantle the D.C. Uh, powerhouse, and that's what we intend to do. Mail Mailman coming up right after this. Department of Justice and Order of Justice seem like a fair broker. They bring cases that are, are certain, you know, that you can win, that you've got that evidence. And my fear is that when you bring a case that really seems like you just have to get into the president's head and, and it, it could go either way and you're just not sure, that you end up losing so many Americans. And this was kind of my second point, was that this isn't going to prevent another January 6th. If anything, it's going to make it worse because people feel as though the Department of Justice is one, you know, is one-sided, that it's politicized. And when people lose that faith in their institutions, then I think it actually is very dangerous to our republic. It makes you need to basically take over the government because if the wrong side gets the Department of Justice, they will use it against you. That's May Mailman, senior legal fellow at the Independent Women's Law Center and our friend here at the Tobler Show. She's my guest now. May, May I caught that on CNN primetime and I thought, wow, what a stupendous segment. Thanks for doing that. It was really great. And the the look on the host's face was unbelievable. She just, <laughs> you did such a great job and she couldn't believe you were just sort of like laying it all out there and she had nothing really to say. Great job. Well, it was brave of CNN to have me on. I know. And then uh, the I will say the CNN Twitter people were not big fans. Um, they were introduced to some thoughts that I think someone said they 
puked. Uh, maybe <laughs> someone, other another person might have passed out. Unbelievable. So, Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And then you made a comment about the Chiron, too. I forget what the Chiron said, something funny. And your tweet was sort of uh, sarcastic, like, hey, thanks for the Chiron. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. It said um, it's not illegal to be crazy That's, because that seems it. to be what they're trying to criminalize. Yeah. And I think you were talking about the uh, the grand jury. And I guess they, they're, they're trying to figure out what was in Trump's head, from what I've read. Uh, Jack Smith's grand jury, like, you know, at least that's what's being reported, that they've been talking, I guess, to one of his aides and trying to figure out, did he really realize he'd lost the election? What, talk more about that from a legal standpoint. It's, it does seem flimsy, as you referenced in that in that clip we played. Yeah, so if you're trying to get Trump on defrauding the government, which seems to be one of uh, the claims, I would say first, you actually have to be trying to defraud them out of something, not just I want to be president, but money, property, there has to be a thing. But for both the defrauding the government claim and the obstruction of an official proceeding, obstruction of Congress, there has to be, um, if, if you're just trying to get something that you're owed and you're asking the government for something that you're owed, mm-hmm. Then that's just your First Amendment right, not only to speak, but to petition your government. That's not criminal. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're not owed it. Um, But in order to say, hey, legally, I should be president. Legally, there are these fraud claims going on. Legally, we can have an alternate slate of electors. And to try and lay out your case, you are not trying to defraud the government if you actually think that that is a process that is available to you. And, you know, maybe some people buy that. They really think that Trump was uh, trying to use this alternate electors scheme. You know, it didn't work, obviously, but he was doing it because he thought it might work. And, uh, and then maybe some people think he knew he lost the election and he was trying to fundraise or he was trying to grip onto power even though he knew he lost. I think you can debate that question either way. I don't I don't think you or I know, and I don't even think that his visors talking to him know, and I bet he flipped all the time and said all sorts of different things to other people. And my concern is that the DOJ, if it starts bringing these flimsy, you know, I don't really know cases against Trump, but it won't bring sort of certain cases against Hunter Biden, against Hillary Clinton, then you've you've lost the trust of the American people. And that's super dangerous. But, but yes, these, these types of fraud claims require proving that Trump knew that he lost the election. It's a, it's an interesting theory, and then as I was reading more into it, May, um, one of the guys I guess who was involved in in a former prosecutor who was involved in drafting a model prosecution memo uh, mm-hmm. for Norm charges, Eisen, yeah. Norm Eisen, said that uh, Smith, when he he one of the the third statute that he referenced in the target letter to Trump earlier this week was, or on, on over the last weekend, was that he would, conspiring to deprive citizens the free exercise of constitutional rights like voting, which seemed to be a surprise to some of those looking at charges, 
And and Eisen's explanation was, well, this is another way, this is a clever, I think his word was, it might be a bridge too far, that is the Insurrection Act, and that this was an elegant solution. It's almost as though they will, they are just going to invent theories, find all kinds of novel ways to get this guy, right? If they can't get him on the bold, you know, prima facie charges of like, go for it, right? They're going to try to find these cute little ways to get him. And I, I think that may, like you, that may backfire not only legally, but but among the voters in the American electorate. Yeah, so this newly considered claim is a post-Civil War anti-KKK law Hmm. where the KKK would try to prevent people from voting, obviously, black people from voting, and... um, So there is a law that prevents a conspiracy. So that's the KKK, right? It's not just one person blocking you from the polls. It's this group of people that are working together to, uh, I mean, they would, they would threaten black people that if you showed up to the polls, I'm going to kill you and your family. I mean, conspiracy to deprive people of their rights, their newly gained rights. So this is an anti-KKK statute. And they're trying to, you know, uh, bring it up again. Apparently, it is still sometimes used when there is some sort of elaborate fraudulent scheme to actually prevent people from voting, something like that. But again, the best you can argue, I think, is that Trump was a sore loser. And maybe he knew he, he lost. Maybe he didn't. But he was just flapping his arms. Like... And to say that that Trump is therefore the KKK trying to kill people and their families if they show up to the polls, it it is it is beyond a stretch. And it's just and you know what, if the DOJ frequently as a stretch went after presidential candidates, past presidents, maybe I wouldn't be so bothered but it's exactly the opposite. We let the American public decide who they want and who they don't want as their president. That is, that's how we've dealt with people we don't like running for president. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. All of this talk about, uh, you know, what's going on with Trump and an absolute refusal of any person on the left. I've not heard any Democrat, anyone raise concern about, oh, that FD 1023, which, of course, yesterday on its release fully. And as I read it, I'm I'm not a lawyer and I know it's not a corroborated document. It's sort of a field notes kind of a thing. But man, based on the history and the culture of the post-Soviet uh, states like Ukraine, um, and you've got the CEO of a company who Burisma, who was trying to be involved in an American company, I think buying one, who needed to have a clean slate. You've got the prosecutor Shokin, and he hires Hunter, who he says is dumb and knows nothing about it to take care of this. And and he gives five million. To, and the, the, it says in there five million to Joe and five million to Hunter. I mean. Uh, May are the walls should the walls be closing in despite the Democrats sleepiness on this? So it it does feel like there is momentum from you know the news that I watch, and obviously you've got one House of Congress paying attention to this. 
and it seems to be clear as day. I mean, it should have been clear as day from the beginning. How on earth is Hunter Biden wealthy? It's not because of his uh, skill set um, in the workplace. It's not because doing cocaine is somehow now valuable no. to society. So it should have been always obvious that he was receiving money from foreign powers for influence over his father. The only question was whether he was basically lying to these foreign entities and saying he had access to Joe Biden and never talked to him. That's crazy. I mean, that's crazy. These foreign countries are not that stupid. If it was some estranged son who never talked to him, they would never pay for that type of influence. And so this just seems to be the most obvious, straightforward, open and shut case. The more we learn, the more that confirms common sense. And yet you're exactly right. There can't end up being momentum. There can't end up being a public outcry if ABC News will dedicate zero minutes. Mm -hmm. They did 527 minutes for Trump and zero for the Biden story yesterday. And it's it's almost a repeat, a ditto of that for CNN and MSNBC. And uh, when they do say anything about it, it's, it's in a snarky, dismissive way rather than journalism, you know, which we'd like to see a little bit of the fair and balance. By the way, speaking of skill sets, this guy, Hunter, is so bad. Not only did he claim a country club, a golf club as a deduction when it was the sex club, but wait, there's more. He got thrown out of the sex club. How do you get thrown out of a sex club? I mean, this guy, he's the most, that's what the New York Post, you know, said. Now, there's another thing uh, I, I wanted to play for you because I thought you'd have fun with this one. Um, New York Post's Emma Joe Morris, that's clip five, uh, Biden, uh, Biden, Brian, uh, couldn't even keep a straight face on this censorship thing. I wanted to pivot to that and your thoughts on that uh, the other day about the, the hypocrisy at the top of that when they wanted to censor RFK at the censorship uh, committee. Uh, listen to this and her incredulous. She couldn't keep a straight face. On October 19th, five days after the Post began publishing, Politico ran a story headlined, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former Intel officials say. God, I can't even say that with a straight face, you know? (laughs) Politico printed a letter completely uncritically from veteran members of the U.S. intelligence community falsely claiming that the Post expose has, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. Now, May, I thought I got such a tickle out of that because I thought this is the woman who really you know broke that story and you know it was it was suppressed may have changed changed the election but she she spiked the ball took a victory lap and twisted the knife in the Democrats all in one little wonderful uh, soundbite there didn't she wasn't that great it is great (laughs) except for the fact that the damage is done that it's it's still so maddening yeah that that story is totally it's not that it's totally irrelevant now but we've had four years under the thumb of the biden regime um telling us that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. i mean the the amount of culture change the um i mean having Kintanji Brown Jackson on the court and the ideas that, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, she can't define a woman and then, you know, her race-based view of society. Like, they're super, super consequential for decades, decades beyond uh, Joe Biden. And all because the media 
uncritically just accepted all of this stuff. And so it, it, it's like, I'm glad she, she got her moment, but I don't, the, the consequences of not having a free press before the 2020 election it's it's just it's so maddening. Also, I want to know where CNN's death count is for both COVID for fentanyl. Like, where are the death counts now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now that and that's the thing that what 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 I think is particularly worrisome about that that yesterday's censorship hearing was the fact that despite clear evidence that they were so wrong, the Russian hoax uh, that was suppressed, of course, uh, this whole issue about the Hunter laptop story, they just brazenly go on and try to turn it into a, you know, well, we're here to protect you. And, and, you know, it's not about censorship. We want to save lives. That's what Sanchez from California and Connolly from uh, from Virginia said. It, it, their religion of ideological elitism and ruling from on high on D.C., is truly a religion and it's almost like a virus that has just caused encephalitis in these democrat progressives because they they have no sense of reality anymore may they've lost they've lost touch with reality no and because i i guess i would have thought that the average democrat would have seen this censorship would have realized um oh i've been misinformed on covid i've uh you know, I've been misinformed even on presidential candidates. I don't like censorship anymore, but it's actually the opposite. Democrats mm. are now more in favor mm. of censorship um, than they were in 2018, 2019. So it's just, it's, it's funny, even though we've actually seen how it has negatively affected Americans. Oh, lockdowns save lives. And actually, in fact, you know, <laughs> made it worse. Despair, right? <laughs> People, alcoholism, death, yeah, skyrocketed. Right. You know, there, there's all these problems. So, uh, it, it, still, the Democrats in general are siding towards. No, they're going to double down. They're going to double down, and that's that's a sad thing for our uh, for our civil society here in these United States. May, thank you for your analysis as an insider in the Trump administration. It's always great to get that special insight and perspective. Really appreciate you so much. Thanks for being with me again. Thanks, Randy. All right. There she is, May Mailman. It's always fun to talk with May, and she has that uh, that uh, peek behind the curtain because she worked with Trump in his administration. And I know she just continues to be dismayed, May Mailman does, at uh, at the shenanigans going on up there in D.C. Well, the Democrats in D.C. never fail to leave us with our jaw dropping and sometimes gasping at the things they're proposing. Now, a California Democrat is arguing that uh, it's vital time that we remove the word wife and other gendered words from federal law. Yes, just another another in the saga of woke, 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 which is crazy, crazy, crazy by another name. Talk about that. And um, you know what? I think we'll also, uh, yeah, I think we'll also, uh, when we come back, talk about this Aldine video. We've got to cover that and see what your thoughts are. Uh, did it go too far? Was there a little vigil- vigilanteism? Was there uh, any racism at all because of the way it was filmed? I don't think so. What do you think? 314-912-1019, the numbers. 314-912-1019. Here on News Talk STL, 1019-941. It's News Talk STL. On your Alexa, my daughter said she listens on Alexa. On your phone, on your computer, or of course on the good old radio. We'll be right back. 
back at 644. If you want to join in on the show, the number is 314-912-1019. On this, as we start the third year of programming at News Talk STL, big birthday party uh, on Thursday evening and uh, smashing success. Boy, oh boy, I'm so sorry I had colliding schedules. I couldn't be there. But um, I've got a daughter in from North Carolina, and we had the things planned a few months ago, and so I wasn't able to get it done. But um, I, I don't know where things are going in this country with the woke, but we need to continue to fight it. As you know, that's something we do is try to destroy woke. We're, we're not quite in the league of Ron DeSantis, but we're doing our best. Uh, the latest salvo from the progressive crazies on the left, Representative Julie Brownlee, of course, from where California is uh, leading an effort to replace gendered terms in federal law with gender neutral language. I mean, we've seen this in other venues. This is not the first time that legislation like this has been proposed. But um, the amend the code for marriage equality act uh, has been introduced before. And this is now uh, about removing the word wife. Um and other gendered words from federal law. So, of course, now we would use the word married person. The bill titled the Amend the Code for Marriage Equality Act would strike gendered terms like husband and wife in favor of terms like spouse or married person. Um, It also uh, wants to take aim at references to a husband and wife and terms such as former wife, replacing them with married couple married couple or in the in the case of former wife a person who has been but is no longer married (laughs) references to one man and one woman would also be eliminated replaced with two people as spouses um i i I think Representative Brownlee would probably be better served to probably not a not a bad individual but probably of of good intellect in terms of her iq but Maybe it would be best for her to direct that IQ in a more productive manner, such as law and order, such as keeping our southern border sound and secure, uh, such as um, uh, not uh, ruining our economy with profligate spending that's not necessary. But instead, uh, we're going to eliminate words like marriage from the uh, from the federal register. I don't think that's going to take place. I don't think it's going to happen. Clearly, she's in a minority position in the House, but... Uh, she said, this, this common sense bill, she says, will ensure that our federal code reflects the equality of all marriages. Well, I'm sorry, Representative Brownlee, maybe to your humanistic and post-faith uh, uh, you know, construct of America, uh, maybe all, America just have, all marriages have equality. But why don't you check with the man upstairs before you make that pronouncement? Oh, but excuse me, you are your own God, as all of your fellow humanists are right you don't uh, you don't answer to anyone but your own whim because you write the rules of the universe and of god's creation i'm sorry i forgot about that yeah, so uh, yeah i think uh, there is not equality of all marriages and in, in in an eternal celestial sense um not that from a legal perspective you can't recognize that but i think that um you know if you talk about it on a on a more ethereal and uh, Eternal sense, I think there is some inequality there. <gasps> Did I say that, Leah? I might get canceled. I hope not. Do you think Rumble won't cancel me, do they? They won't cancel me. No. Man. I hope not. No, you're fine. But that's why you won't put me on Twitter. 
right? No, or YouTube, YouTube. Because I get canceled. Yes. Yeah. I'm not on Twitter either. Am I? Do you have me on Twitter? Yeah. Why am I on Twitter? Yeah, we're rolling. Oh, that's good. Well, I hope I don't get canceled for what I just said. Well, maybe under Elon I won't. Uh, do you have a little uh, Jason Naldean? You want to play some of that? Uh, I don't. Town? No. I don't. Oh, you don't? Okay. Well, let's talk about that controversy. So Jason Aldean comes out with this song, uh, Try That in a Small Town. And, of course, it references a lot of the... Um, criminality going on in our society including a lot of what went on in 2020 uh the random uh you know shootings that go on the looting the property damage and he basically says you know in small town we don't do that we protect one another we defend ourselves and you may not where i think he got in trouble two counts on the one hand the two criticisms were um you know you may not make it far down that road i think is uh, to paraphrase one of the one of the lines uh, and, of course, the image of a famous courthouse that, by the way, has been used in um, in other just general filmings. They've used they've they've shot film. Uh, they've used it as a background, that courthouse in uh, I believe it was Tennessee, uh, the Maury County Courthouse. Now, there was an 18 year old black man who was falsely accused of attacking a white girl in 1927. And uh, people have said, well, this is a pro lynching uh you know, uh, thing that he did. Well, I think this is rather, it's just a, it's a popular place to, to, uh, to film these kind of things when they're filming, um, these things. Cause remember in Tennessee, Georgia, others, they have favorable places to film these. Um, you know, do you know what other famous movie was filmed at that, uh, using that courthouse as one of the sets or one of the backgrounds, Leah? No, I don't. Hannah Montana. Okay. The movie? Now, how come when Hannah... How, yeah, how come... Well, I don't know. Maybe it was a movie or maybe it was, I don't know, a series, but it's been used for the Hannah Montana. Uh, how come there hasn't been criticism of the Hannah Montana um, dynasty uh, for, for a pro-lynching agenda because they use that courthouse in the filming? You see what I mean? There are historic sites that are just used because of their optic, just the visual... Uh, they happen to be sort of like B-roll, what we call B-roll. Often you'll see it in health news on the on the TV. Sometimes when they're doing a report on pharma or on some new cancer drug, you'll see, you know, pills rolling off the assembly line or you'll see a pharmacist putting pills into the bottle. And that's B-roll. It's generally available. They use that just as background, as uh, you know, behind the story. Uh, it's a similar kind of a thing. Now, I understand the sensitivity uh, of black Americans to this kind of imagery. I get it. Uh, and perhaps it would have been better uh, ahead of the fact for the Aldine video crew to think of that. But the uh, the hyper racist and hyper inflammatory rhetoric around this video, rather than looking at, at the communities of color, which are destroying themselves as black on black crime is absolutely decimating our urban areas, including, yes, we're right here in St. Louis. They want to point to systemic racism, to the past that's now the past, <laughs> and never wanting to look forward and giving credit for the wrongs that have been righted and the attempts to try to, uh, you know, meet the ideals of that declaration and our Constitution. Uh, instead of giving credit and um, maybe, you know, trying to walk hand in hand with their brother, uh, the race baiters, the, the profiteers off of the racism industry tend to continue to want to look for every opportunity they can. That happened on the uh, that happened on the hearings on Wednesday when the IRS whistleblowers were, were talking. The Democrats continued. They tried to 
uh, deflect away from the very powerful testimony about Hunter Biden's underreporting of $267,000 in income that would have met $106,000 had he paid the taxes, which because of the slow walking of the DOJ, when presented with the evidence uh, and the prosecutors, uh, the statute of limitations uh, passed. They, the, By the way, there was a request to extend the statute, which was just sort of left to, to die. So um, in the midst of that powerful testimony, wherein Marjorie Taylor Greene pulled a, a, a stupid move, I think, you know, she she showed a picture that he claimed that his uh, his whatever it was, however many, many thousands of dollars he claimed as a deduction for an assistant was really an escort and a, a prostitute. And and yes, she she shows a picture of him. Um, let's just say receiving services from the prostitute. Uh, unnecessary. It was a gratuitous, unnecessary. Absolutely. Um, but also another uh, $10,000 deduction he claimed for a golf club membership was a sex club membership. So, and that, if you or I tried to do that, we would absolutely get blasted. I don't know if we'd go to jail, but man, there'd be some serious penalties. Uh, by the way, uh, Leah, have you ever heard anyone that got kicked out of a sex club? Hunter Biden was kicked out of the sex club for which he uh, claimed a, a, a tax deduction as a golf club membership. You ever heard of anyone getting How do you get no. kicked out of a sex club? You know why? The owner of the sex club said that he could not just stop touching without asking permission, whatever that means. I, you know, I don't know about sex uh. clubs, but what I'm saying is this guy's an absolute, unbelievable uh, vacant uh, in terms of his character and zero integrity. Um, what, did the, what did the Democrats do? They, they talked about uh, this cultural misappropriation you know they're the the white men on this gop committee and in the in the republican party are um are trivializing this the term two-tier justice two-tier justice when we talk about the differential treatment of you know hillary clinton joe biden if your name's biden or clinton you're sort of teflon and the rest of us, if we've tried to pull any of these shenanigans, the shell games, the the LLCs to launder money through the through the laund the 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 the, uh, the, the uh, influence peddling schemes that they had, uh, and the Biden Biden bribe gate scenario, we'd be torched for it. We'd be behind bars. We'd be getting convicted of felonies. He gets a little misdemeanor plea deal, right? Well. They said, well, you guys are trivializing what really two-tier justice is. Two-tier justice returns, you know, it speaks of the return to the day of Jim Crow justice and injustice. And, and absolutely, it was indefensible. It was horrid what went on, the treatment of black men and, uh, you know, when they were falsely accused. But the two-tier justice system is a different way it's a it's now applied in a proper way to what's going on in our current situation these poor these poor democrats just can't let it go with their always circling back to racism no matter what the topic you know it's just unbelievable uh, you know the, the fact that donald trump uh, didn't didn't cure cancer was probably had something to do with racism right i mean and the patriarchy these people are just just out of their minds it's just crazy. Well, coming up, uh, we're going to be talking with David Stokes. Had a conversation with David from the Show Me Institute. And David um, highlighted some things going on uh, here in in, uh, in the city of St. Louis. 
where Tashara Jones is coming up with some crazy ideas about reinstalling uh, some some surveillance on you. Uh, yes, I mean, you know, no surprise. Leave it to a Democrat to take away your freedom. That's what Democrats do. And also um, some other surveillance techniques that other law enforcement people in Missouri might be proposing. We'll talk with David about that. And then uh, later on in the show, uh, Virginia Cruda, uh, Kathy Barnett coming up next hour with the Vivek Ramaswamy camp. Lots coming up on the Tobler Show. You won't want to miss it. Stay tuned. And let me play. David, how you doing from Show Me Institute and Director of Municipal Policy? How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Randy. And, and that is a very interesting question. I, I don't know if the Castle Doctrine yeah. applies on commercial property. I, I would hope so. If you have a small business, if you've got your own business, and you're at your business, I would I would hope it would apply just the same as if you're at your house. You know, you talk, we, we talk about the forgotten heroes in whatever, you know, conflict. And the con- I think the forgotten um, victims, the forgotten heroes were those people who, who tried their best to manage in municipalities across the country during the COVID, the summer of, uh, of uh, 20 riots. Where you know beauty shops, uh, small you know, small businesses, uh, you know five and dime stores, mom and pop places were were burned down, looted, um, and yeah, I mean of course it shouldn't happen to any store. It shouldn't happen to Macy's, but it also shouldn't happen to mom and pops either. And those poor people didn't have the means to recover necessarily, and didn't have the protection they needed. And I think, um, and nor were those people prosecuted. And I think Jason Aldean's song probably is more of just an outcry for some law and order and can you please do one of the prime responsibilities of government which is to protect us from the bad guys and rather than you know all the other stuff that government gets into and i know that gets your goat when the government goes places they shouldn't it's ironic you wanted to talk today about how the government instead of going well maybe in addition to their tepid sometimes response to criminality they want to they want to surveil us more i thought we were over that brother what's going on well this is something that i've really learned a lot about in the past week or two and it's i find it highly disturbing and i i hope many of your listeners do as well but i don't know if people realize how common license plate readers have become around the state of Missouri. And these are basically government and police surveillance systems that are recording every plate that drives past certain areas and keeping a, keeping a record of it, not permanently, but at least for some period of time. So as you drive around many parts of Missouri, including in Springfield and Columbia, uh, Boone County, St. Louis County, St. Charles County, you're being surveilled and, and your car is being tracked and I think it's just appalling to, to learn this, and particularly appalling that so many local officials seem fine with this. And I hope the state legislature takes a look at this in the next session, because I know there's no inherent right to privacy on the public roads, but neither is there a right for the government to track us as we go about our daily lives. Well, and I hope, I hope more people learn about this. Well, David, let's. I always try to... Uh, try to formulate and understand the best argument in support of an infringement on our liberties or you know name the name the issue that i think i have a good case but i always want to know what's the best rationale for the other side's case so who's justifying this and why 
Well, the, in the articles, and there are some good points raised. I mean, we can we can always admit there's not everything is complete black and white. Although I think just somewhat is. But the police department, the police departments who are enacting these surveillance programs are they say that look they're able to to track a license plate and if there's and run it through a warrant system so that if people in that car are wanted they know they know that also they're able to you know do investigations after the fact if there's a series of crimes in an area and they have reports that a certain car might have been involved they can go back to these tracking systems and see if that plate has been traveling in that area at those times so and i have no doubt and they state in these articles in the post dispatch and elsewhere that these programs have been used to catch wanted criminals and solve certain crimes and i have no doubt that's absolutely true and don't dispute that for a second and finally they they say that this information is only kept for a limited period of time it's not like it's kept in permanent storage it's not like they're saying they're tracking that plate to to me david stokes and saying david stokes went to a mall at a certain time that's what they claim and i'll give them some benefit of the doubt for it but it doesn't it doesn't hold up in my opinion they're still tracking you they're still tracking me they're still they still have a government surveillance system out there following your car even if even if they don't put it to uh, an individual's name unless they have a reason to do so it's still putting together at least a short-term record of your travels around the state and where you go. And this is happening on, on both public roadways and very disturbingly in private communities who are starting to track every car that drives in and out of private communities around the state. And again, I'm not saying that's illegal, but just because it's not illegal doesn't make it right. I, I absolutely think it's wrong. And you don't have to know too much history to know just how these types of things can be abused. And I would yeah. say almost certainly will be abused. Well, you know, I, I think that this sounds treacherously close to illegal search without you know a good reason right I mean, they're not searching you but i mean it's why do you track someone before when there's no need to in case they did something wrong or in case you know that's what's troubling about this it's almost as though uh what if what if it was to be proposed that everyone that um uh, everyone that there's going to be a traffic stop and we're just going to take a swab of your cheek and only for a short time we're going to tell you we're going to uh, you know uh, sequence your dna but we'll throw it away after a while in case something happens over the next six months you know just in case what's the difference right i mean it's you still you're obtaining some private information about the whereabouts and the whatabouts about a person i mean it may not be an exact uh, science but let me offer you this i'm thinking about private versus public, just as you stated at the end of that exposition of this problem. If I'm a homeowner and the HOA has had concerns about maybe there's been a vandalism or a burglary in the community and and I'm in a subdivision and the HOA decides to install a camera and they all agree to it, I'm not sure I'm against that, David. I'm not sure I'm against it, especially if it's a gated community. I mean, those that's the agreement. And especially if you were warned before you came in, warning, your license plate is being tracked because, you know, we it's like it's a neighbor it's a virtual neighborhood watch. What say you? Well, Randy, I, I am against it, but I, I wanna stress that I'm 
personally opposed to it, and I'm not saying it's illegal. I, I recognize that what you just described is not is, is not illegal. I do think it can go too far. Look, a lot of people have ringtone, these ring cameras. They're very popular in similar systems. And yes, you have, I don't have one at my house. Maybe I will one day. Everybody has a right to the ring camera and everybody has a right to, if something happens in their community and they want to share that information with police, there's clearly nothing wrong with that. But there's at least one well-known neighborhood in St. Louis City where they've created an entire network of ringtones, both business and homes. We're talking thousands of cameras in this neighborhood and tracking people on primarily private property. But again, many of these roads are public roads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drive past, so it's not only private property. Yeah, I understand. And I absolutely find that to be highly, highly troubling. I would, I would choose not to go to this neighborhood because of it, except that Ted Drews is there. So you, you sort of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they, I think I'd put up with that infringement for a Ted Drews. You're right. right um, you, sort of, you sort of have to go, at least, <laughs> at least part of the time. This is the, this is the trade-off we make in life. But yes, I, I do find this sort of overuse of, of private surveillance stuff very, yeah, very yeah. difficult to me. But I'm not, I want to be super clear. I'm not for a second suggesting it's illegal, and I'm not suggesting that it be made illegal, uh, although I am suggesting that the, when governments do this on the public roadways, that I would love to see the state legislature investigate this and, and consider some limits to it. You know what I'd like to see, David? Ironically, and you know how my crazy mind works, I would love to see every neighborhood network their cameras and and send it as a message to the prosecutors of this country, the law enforcement uh, people, the, not, not the police officers. It would be a vote of support. I would call it the police supporting network of Name the Community, where, hey, we're on your team, and if those darn prosecutors won't keep people in jail, we have nothing else to do but defend ourselves, and we're going to camera the heck out of this neighborhood, and, and we're going to assist you police officers because you're leaders in the municipal level, and the prosecutors just won't do their job and the judges in some cases so you know maybe there's a sweet irony in the populist um uprising against you know lawlessness which is just on the rise in every community everywhere well randy and that's something i wrote about in one of shomi institute's newsletters which people can find online and i have a blog post on this subject up at shomiinstitute.org but yes it's so much of this desire for the surveillance and the protection is in response, undeniably, to the total failures of prosecutors around this country and in Missouri. Yes. Who we've, and Kim Gardner's been out of office for a month or so now, and, and I hope she stays gone forever. But this is in response to the failure of governments to, to protect people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all the more infuriating. I, I wrote in a newsletter, if you see what's happening in El Salvador and Honduras right now, where they're in, in response to the just astonishingly high murder rates of the past decade down there, in El Salvador especially, they've gone to this incredible extent of just jailing people for life on on for gang membership and it, it seems terrible uh, and totally would not be allowed in the united states nor should it be but you do understand how the people of that country just get so frustrated by the 
and terrified by the violence they're fearing every day that they're willing to elect people who work with the army to do this type of thing, to reinstate this basic security in the lives of the people of El Salvador, and now Honduras seems to be following suit. You don't have to like it, but but you can certainly understand it, and I absolutely feel that the you know what Cub stores are doing with putting everything behind behind secure glass, of, which is so it can't be shoplifted, yeah. which infuriates me as I go shopping. But yeah. you understand the steps people are willing to take when government fails in its basic duty to protect the population against crime, and then putting at least criminals in jail after the fact. Uh, and in the couple minutes we have. Um that's in a similar, you know, parallel story. St. Louis is talking about reinstallation of red light cameras. I thought they were illegal. I thought something happened statewide that was a Supreme Court decision or something that they were made illegal. What's that about? Well, they have been made made illegal. So they they cannot be done according to this court decision by on red light cameras. People sued saying they were legal, and they are for a number of reasons. I don't know exactly what St. Louis is proposing to bring them back. I, I imagine there's a way that with better cameras and better technology and, and not just assuming guilt, like, because that was one of the problems with red light cameras, is that you, the car owner just got a ticket in the mail. Like, they were already presumed guilty, no matter who was driving the car or, or whatever. So there's probably a way that they could be done as technology advances to address some of those concerns. I'm not saying I support whatever support red light cameras, but I'm guessing that that's what St. Louis is is doing. And and look, there's there's no doubt that there are cities around the world that make extensive use of of video and the like to enforce traffic violations. And I think it's terrible, and I do not want it in in. Are in Missouri, yeah. but it's just just as we said about El Salvador and Honduras, Randy. You know, you drive in so much of the state. Uh, is I drive a lot in St. Louis, and the, just the horrible abuse and the incredibly dangerous abuse that you see on the streets. Again, it makes you wonder. It makes you understand the people who want who want to enforce traffic laws any way they can because the police are not are not doing it. And I'm not gonna. I oftentimes do like you want to excuse the police and blame the prosecutors, but in this case, at least in St. Louis City, the police are actively not enforcing yeah. the traffic laws. We've, I've seen too many times of just egregious red lights being run yeah. with police there where they don't do anything, mm-hmm. and it, it is terrible. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on things, and then I know you are as well. We always appreciate that. And, uh, you know, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can read the great, great pieces that David and all of his colleagues there at the Show Me Institute uh, right at showmeinstitute.org. It is a go-to site for me, and it should be for you, too. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Randy. Talk to you soon, my friend. All righty. There he is. All right. In case you've been keeping your eyes on the rise of Vivek Ramaswamy, we're going to be talking to his grassroots director and a close advisor, former Pennsylvania senatorial candidate, Kathy Barnett, joins me on 101.9941 News Talk STL. The Tobler Show, straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. Well, once in a while, uh, scheduling changes occur, and apparently there's been a change in Ms. Barnett's schedule, and uh, she's unavailable, so we'll try to connect with her uh, at a future time. But I think that speaks to some of the news coming out of the various polling 
uh, outlets. And um, there, there is no doubt a surge in Vivek Ramaswamy's um, stock price uh, in the GOP. Um, and, um, you know, this is at the same time as Ron DeSantis and uh, the you know the DeSantis campaign. He fi- what I think he fired what several of his staff. I, I don't know the percentage, but several of them uh, last week. And and he's restructuring because he's just not getting the the kind of momentum that you'd expect after his you know fabulous performance uh, in uh, in Florida. Uh, I think people have talked about whether it's a uh, you know whether it's a problem with charisma, whether it's a problem with just campaign organization. I don't know that anyone uh, that looks at these things has really, um, you know, come come up to an answer on this. But there's no doubt that uh, there seems to be some real some real change. Um, you know, there's there's been some changes in the polling too. If you look at some of what's going on in the polling, uh, recent polls are suggesting that, uh, in fact, one recent poll suggests that DeSantis. And Ramaswamy are now tied, though very, very far behind. Uh, this is the Kaplan poll. Uh, recently showed a boost for Vivek Ramaswamy. Could be an outlier. I don't know. But, uh, uh, you know, that, that showed a, a, a dead heat between DeSantis and Ramaswamy, whereas just a poll, uh, Trump is clearly out polling him. It seems like every time Donald Trump gets an indictment, his numbers go up. <laughs> and... Uh, that may be a preview of what's going to happen as another indictment rolls out. Uh, you know, Jack Smith is, uh, has sent him a target letter on three different counts. As we talked with May Mailman earlier, if you didn't hear that interview, you can uh, circle back on the podcast, which will be out tomorrow or Monday um, during the first hour, talking with a former advisor, May Mailman. Um, uh, and it just seems to galvanize the base for uh, Trump support saying, look, this guy's been persecuted. I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm in for Trump because I'm, you know, I'm just not going to put up with the persecution that's gone on upon him, uh, for him. Others say, uh, wait, a, whoa, whoa, hang on. Trump is self-destructive. He says and does things that push the edge, that load the gun for the opposition. And more importantly, in a in the national electorate uh, landscape, may poison the water for those middle-of-the-road voters who go Trump one election and go Biden the next, uh, particularly if Joe Biden is replaced by another candidate. Now, this week, you know, I have said it before on this program that I don't think Joe Biden is likely to be the nominee, even though they're stacking the deck. But uh, there are there are people, I, I frankly would like to see Joe Biden as the candidate, because I think that he's going to be much easier to beat than some who may be waiting in the wings. Gavin Newsom, RFK isn't waiting in the in the wings. He's making making some progress. He's in the 20 ish percentage and and the polling averages pretty substantial for a for, you know, sort of a dark horse candidate. Right. Well, Roger Stone, clip one, Leah, Roger Stone, um, came out with a theory that really sort of ties together some moves in the Democratic National Committee, their uh, strategy for changing, uh, eliminating Iowa, eliminating New Hampshire. So the Iowa caucus, New Hampshire and out South Carolina would be the first site, the first primary in the Democrat Party. And I could see this happening. Roger Stone came out with a theory, call him crazy, but maybe not. Listen. Now, 
as a veteran of many years in American politics, I'm going to tell you something somewhat shocking. Joe Biden will not be the nominee of the Democratic Party in 2024. Kamala Harris will briefly become president, but the only way in their party they can replace a woman of color is with another woman of color. And yes, you heard it here first, the Democratic nominee for president will be Michelle Obama. They have already rigged their primaries. The reason that they have canceled the Iowa caucuses in the New Hampshire primary is to put South Carolina, a state where a majority of the Democratic primaries or Afri primary voters are African Americans, and they will allow Gavin Newsom to purchase the vice presidential nomination, but the Obamas will hold him up for six or eight hundred million dollars to do so. You heard it here first. When Steve Bannon says it in three weeks, remember I said it first. Okay. Now, you can call Roger Stone crazy. Many have. I mean, he's the guy that's got Richard Nixon tattooed, you know, on his, was on his back. So, I mean, or his fried on his chest or back. Um, so, he might be a little crazy, but he is a political observer of the scene for a long, long time. And, of course, a, a, a Trump uh, advocate. Uh, so it's hard to know uh, all this in the context of, I think, a, a changing field on the GOP side, a faltering Joe Biden. You have to ask yourself, I mean, could we see could we see an election where it is not Donald Trump versus Joe Biden? It is name your Democrat candidate against who could it be? Who would replace Donald Trump if, in fact, the weight of the indictments begin to show weakness in the polls, particularly in those battleground states? Now, some of the battleground polling seems to indicate that Trump is holding up well against Joe Biden. Others say not. So it's early, obviously, and it's uh, it's certainly a, a time of flux, uh, fluid, as they like to say. The polling is fluid. Uh, I'm watching it with a careful eye because I think the worst thing that could ever happen to this country, and I'm looking for the long game here, would be eight years of progressive rule, whether it be Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, God forbid. Oh, my God, I can't even imagine that. That, that gives me a cold sweat. Um, Gavin Newsom, I think it gives me a colder sweat because the guy is so, so deceptively conniving and just, I, I, he just reminds me of, uh, who was that guy in the, in the uh, Spider-Man uh, movie, Leah, Gavin Newsom reminds me of that. Guy. Oh, uh, DeVoe. Isn't that the the actor's name, Donald DeVoe? Remember, he was the evil. You remember that in the Spider-Man movie? I think that's what he reminds me of. He just, the guy is just okay. something about his whole persona. He's he's charismatic on one level. And I think he could absolutely uh, do, do terrible, terrible damage to this country. I mean, look at what he's doing to the California schools. He's threatening... Is it the Temecula School Board? They met late last night, late into the night, because they're wanting to get some pornographic, sexually explicit books off the shelves for, I mean, they're not asking for a lot. The school board is saying, look, we don't want this. I think it's through fifth grade. What is that, age 11, 12? And they're getting pushback from Newsom. He says he's going to punish them, holding back money, you know, 1.5 million, I think he's, is the number I've heard thrown around. 
And then he wants to pass legislation that the school boards can't do anything about holding back the crazy curriculum, whether it's heterosexual, uh, sexually explicit material or whether it's whether it's the transgender nonsense, LGBTQA ampersand apostrophe semicolon close parentheses. I mean, this guy could absolutely bring down the culture of this country. And as Andrew Breitbart said, culture is upstream from politics. If we lose our culture, if we lose our sanity, if we if we discard the guardrails of natural and moral law, which, of course, come from God above, uh, there's uh, it's all is lost. When a country, when the citizens of a country come to believe that they are their bosses, they are their gods, I will do what I want to do. I determine the right, the wrong. My Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments. It's all lost. It's You might as well pack it in. And uh, that's what the left is wanting to do to this country, to throw away all laws. Now, even for those of you who may be of the atheistic or agnostic persuasion, maybe some of you are out there. I hope you are listening. That would be good anthropology study a little anthropology and and study cultural anthropology study study biological anthrop study uh you know evolutionary anthropology if that's what you're into the nuclear family a man and a woman and their children their offspring are in all cultures the way to successful prosperous lives or at least increasing the risk uh, the, the, the likelihood of that for that family's progeny and for their progeny and for their offspring. No doubt about it. And none other than Larry Elder, presidential candidate and talk show host, who the left likes to call an Uncle Tom. Yeah, he had a failed bid for California governor, but what do you expect in California? Leah, let's play some Larry Elder, a couple clips from him. Uh, he was on with Laurie Ingram the other day. And he was talking about, um, you know, sort of the 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 attack on on white people and how, you know, from the left and the progressives when it comes to these, you know, to criminality, to even black on black crime, somehow that is the result of racism. Um, and, and, and he started out, I think, by proposing that, you know, maybe we have a month after Gay Pride Month that maybe has another uh, another flavor to it. Take a listen. You know, we just had Gay Pride Month. Maybe it's time for a let's take it easy on the white man month. The sad truth is that 60% of the shootings, the robberies, the homicides in America are committed by black people. The sad truth is half of the homicide victims in America are black, almost all killed by other blacks as uh, same race crime, murder is the same race crime. Most of the most whites who are killed are killed by other whites. Um, according to the CDC, a young black man, a 10 to 43, I'm not making this up, is 13 times more likely to be murdered than a young white man. And contrary to what Joe Biden said at, at Howard University recently, uh, they ain't being killed by white supremacists. They're being killed by other blacks. Now, unless you're prepared to say black people are just genetically inclined to commit more crime, you ask, have to ask yourself what the devil is going on. And what the devil is going on is the 10,000 pound elephant in the room, which is the epidemic of fatherlessness. 70% of black kids enter the world today without a father in the home married to the mother. 70%? 70% up from 25 percent back in 1965 the numbers are staggering and they're indisputable if you look at the numbers from the criminal justice aspect or from the sociology aspect i mean they're related of course there's no doubt that while 
single moms who are in a heck of a position when they're left as we have fathers not staying uh, on track and 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 staying accountable for their for their obligation of free sex which unfortunately was made a lot easier because of the sexual revolution born on the wings of of contraception for women um, that was one of the unfortunate sociological negative side effects um, yeah, I mean sorry I didn't make up the numbers they're there uh, and fathers you know leave the roost women are left you know uh, because of casual sex, which became much more popular in the 60s after the invention of the pill in the late 50s, you saw an upsurge in casual sex. Look at what happened. We look at Woodstock as sort of the prototype of that. That resulted in a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, progeny that were not out of committed relationships. And then, of course, as Larry Elder says, what happened? Married women or unmarried women uh, without a committed relationship, but with children were left hanging uh, you know, without any support in many cases, and they married the government. You'll see that the rate of conversion of women voting from switching from conservative candidates voting for, in this case, uh, Republican candidates in the late 50s through the 60s and beyond, the rate of uh, women increasingly voting for Democrat slash progressive candidates has gone up and up and up and up. Why? Because they need support. The government gives them support. I mean, it's just, it's natural. People have to find a way to take care of their kids. And this is not to disparage them. It's just a reality. And at the end of the day, where's the accountability in the part of men? Where's the accountability in the part of the system that doesn't make men accountable for support for their, for their children? Um, and, and, he, and, and Larry, uh, Larry Elder went on to say, hey, let's, uh, let's really look at the problems in the black community. And, and look, I can say it's not just about the blacks. It's about poverty. It's about whites who are impoverished and who live irresponsibly when it comes to procreation. And that leads to so many problems for these children who then grow up and their family becomes the gangs because they don't have a father figure at home and mom's out maybe trying to work and, and you know, make ends meet with whatever government subsistence she gets as well. And it's just been a disaster for the culture in the impoverished communities, which, yes, in the urban areas are black and in the rural areas are white. This is not a black-white issue. But as it relates to black-on-black crime, Larry Elder makes a very poignant statement. This is clip number four. Leah, let's play that. Oops, sorry. Hold on. We're having some technical issues. Well, he goes on and, and talks about how he he has asked Here I got uh, black leaders... Play, play that now. The uh, so-called war on poverty launched by a Democrat in the mid-60s. We've incentivized women to marry the government. We've incentivized men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility, and that's it. I've been on radio 30 years, and in 30 years, I've tried to get Jesse Jackson on to talk about these issues. He won't come on. Maxine Waters won't come on. Al Sharpton won't come on. Minister Farrakhan won't come on. But one of these so-called black leaders did, Kwese Yemfumi, who at the time was president of the NAACP. Oh, yeah. Before that, he was in Congress. Now he's back in Congress. And I said to him, Mr. Yemfumi, as between the presence of white racism or the absence of black fathers, which poses a bigger threat to the black community. To his credit, without missing a beat, he said the absence of black fathers. There you go. Kwase Mfumi, who's no Ronald Reagan. He's no John Birch. I mean, you know, he, 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 he's no bastion of, of liberal politics and of conservative politics, and he admitted it. That's the problem. It's not white racism. It's not uh, white supremacy. 
It's not structural racism. It's a breakdown in the family. It's a cultural problem. And you can try to legislate it all you want. At least you should stop the literal, literally the bleeding within those communities by having better and more firm policing and criminal justice accountability when young men, in fact, older children go astray. And then you need to get them into programs where they're given modeling and they're giving accountability with surrogate fathers if it if it takes a big brothers program if it takes a, you know i don't know that answer probably not the state probably our our charitable organizations and our philanthropic organizations are the way to go when we come back virginia cruda to weigh in on the issues of the day i want to ask her about the county council in st louis and their failure maybe she'll have an interest in this i'm interested in it county council the other day voted against um, endorsing a tax a property tax freeze for seniors and rather putting it to a vote of the people should they get enough uh, interest I guess on, a, on a, a signature card Virginia Cruda coming up right after this stay there I want to go and do you want to get down we're back, and it's always fun as we check in with Virginia Cruda here on News Talk STL 101-9941. And um, Virginia, we have a lot to talk about. Thanks for being on again. I wanted to get into it right away with a, with sort of a metropolitan area issue. You know, Governor Parson signed this bill that authorized counties to freeze property taxes for senior citizens that owned a home and uh, paid taxes and so forth. Um the St. Louis County Council said, no, we're not going to vote that in because there'll be a loss of income to the you know various taxing districts. And, and I guess it's, it's an example of one of these issues where tax cuts can be good, but is it better if we have a tax cut for all rather than a tax cut for some? What's your opinion on that? Well, I, here's, here's my thing. I, I, I think property taxes are ridiculous to begin with. Just in in general, property taxes are are crazy because th- this is no different than if you watch like look look at some of the uh, the offers King George made to the colonists, right? Like we'll give you more land, but only if you pay a tax every year to the king. This is part of what they rebelled against, right? <laughs> you're not supposed to have to pay for something that you already own that and it's like a rental who, you're playing rental at right. for something you own yeah, yeah. well especially if you live in illinois because then whenever the state is short of money they go in and they reevaluate all the property and suddenly your property's worth more because they need more money <laughs> like wait a minute this is not okay so <laughs> Yeah, can you imagine the look on the founding father's face? Okay, yeah, you yeah. you paid for that and you paid taxes on when you bought it. It's one thing to say, okay, you have to pay a tax when you buy something. Like, it, it, even that, I think they'd object to because remember the T, right? Yeah. But imagine yeah. if you tell them, okay, well you've paid a, you've paid for the item, you've paid a tax on the item, and now every year you're going to continue to pay a tax just to keep owning the thing you already paid for and paid tax on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if all, but here's the thing, Virginia, if all people are created equal and all, therefore, all taxpayers are created equal, I'm, I'm channeling the founding documents. Um, yeah. Shouldn't all talk taxpayers be created equal? On the other hand, um, maybe at least giving some taxpayers is a start, giving them a break. I, I'm sort of conflicted on this one. I mean, I think a tax break for the, anyone is good, but it's sort of like the only way to do it. Why are we forgiving it for one and not the other? 
the only way to do it and do it in a way that is fair would be to say, okay, if you have paid income tax or if you, you've paid taxes on this property for X number of years and you are still in that property on year Y, wow. you no longer owe property taxes. Wow. So like if yeah, you move so into, like you move that. into a house and yeah. you own that property for 25 years, you're 26, you no longer own property tax. That's that way. It's not arbitrary by age. And you might've yeah, just moved into right. the house two years ago but you could own that you own that property for a certain amount of time and now your tax liability is fulfilled. Ah, there you go. Great idea. The always creative Virginia Cruda. Yeah, that's great. Well, and now let's talk about another creative person, Virginia. You've written about uh, this Jason Aldean with a couple of your stories, this Jason Aldean yeah. story. Um, I mean, you know, Christy Nome, uh, what wants him to come up there? Uh, Whoopi's all over it. What's your overall synthesis? Is, is there any argument based on the optics of the Maury County Courthouse being in the background or a thread in there that mentions like don't you're not going to make it down the street which some people have said well that's going that's not defending your castle that's chasing after someone therefore a little bit of vigilanteism how do you uh, how do you calibrate this whole jason aldean controversy well here's the thing if you're not going to make it down the street i think it refers not just to the idea that somebody attacked your house and now you're chasing them what about look at look at the I mean, it kind of invokes the summer of riots and without directly. Now, there are people saying, look, he said Black Lives Matter is bad. No, he didn't mention Black Lives Matter. But here's the thing. If you see riots and you think of Black Lives Matter, maybe the connection isn't him making it. It's you making it and you're making it for a reason because Mm. they did riot. Yeah. And the comparison is valid. So what what I'm saying is that. If he if he talks about rioters and you see them going down the street, maybe you don't let that happen. You stop it before it starts, you know, and I think that that that's kind of what he's alluding to there. And I think that he used the courthouse that he was familiar with because that's where he's from. Now, you look at Chrissy Nome who had heard the song before she saw the video and wanted them to shoot the video in South Dakota. Cause she's like, look, this is the way our people are. This is the kind of values that we have this, this small town. We've got your back. We're not going to let anybody get away with anything on our watch kind of idea. And she wanted it to be filmed in South Dakota. And here's my thing. It would not have mattered. It would not have mattered if it was filmed in South Dakota because they would have found a way to be outraged over it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, what I was, what I, what I really found interesting was the fact, like you say, I, it's like thou dost protest too much, Whoopi Goldberg. Why did you jump right away to assuming this was BLM? And she did. But then I thought it was amazing. And you really called her out on it. It's like, why, why did she, why would she say, they, meaning the BLMers, were just taking care of the people in their town. Wow. She's defending that that riotous behavior? Oh, or were they just peaceful yeah. protests? <laughs> well, she's she's saying they saw something they didn't like and fought back. And by that she means like um uh somebody was killed by a police officer. 
And I'm like, okay, well, but where are the, the protests? Where are the protests yeah, yeah, right. for the white people who have been killed by police officers? Because trust me, that happens more often. Um, where are the protests? You, I mean, you've read like the FBI statistics and that, that have come out. Police are less likely to draw a firearm on a black suspect because they know what will happen if they do. Even if yep. it is a justified yep. shoot, they're afraid to do it. You're right. Now, it doesn't mean it doesn't happen because there are some some police officers where the training takes over and they just do it. Are there some police officers who do the wrong thing? Absolutely. But to suggest that this is all about police officers that are out in the street hunting black people, that's not what's happening. No, I don't think so. Not at all. Uh, in the two minutes we have left... Um, Roger Stone came out and said that the reason the Dems have canceled Iowa and New Hampshire is because they want South Carolina, predominantly, well, a, a much higher proportion of African-American voters to, uh, you know, to usher in Michelle Obama. He says it's going to be Michelle Obama and, and uh, you know, uh, and Barack, of course, for his second two-term presidency, uh, co-presidency. What say you? Is that just crazy, Roger? Or is there something there there? Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, they've been talking about Michelle Obama for a long time. She has said she doesn't want to run. I don't know how how much. Oh, she's playing hard to get, that. Virginia. Come on, uh, yeah, she, I don't she's know. Playing hard I don't know to about get. that. Uh, but I will say this: the reason they want South Carolina first is that they know Joe Biden. It, 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 whether or not Michelle Obama is involved, you can just like leave, leave her off the table for a minute. But <laughs> Joe Biden is weak in Iowa and he's weak in New Hampshire and because there is a much larger number of independent voters and RFK Jr. poses a very, very real risk. South mm -hmm. Carolina mm -hmm. is the first state that delivered for Joe Biden in the 2020 primary and I think they believe that, that South Carolina is a safe state for Joe Biden and that's why they want it first. Okay, so that's the more conventional view. I I don't know. I think they're going to give Joe the hook one way or another. I think the I think that a new polling out today, or well, I guess average polling says his his uh, approval ratings down below forty two percent now. I just think they're going to find it untenable to to promote him as a candidate, no matter who the Republican candidate is. That's a whole nother uh, a whole nother story. Hey, but we'll talk about that next week because next week I want to ask you about Vivek Ramaswamy. I think his stock price is rising. He's a force to be reckoned with, and I'd like you to chew on that, and let's uh, let's chat about it next week. Sound good? Sure. All right. We will do that. Virginia Cruda, we love writing and uh, reading everything she writes on Daily Wire and, of course, on NewstalkSTL.com, as well as her on-air hits, hits here as well. They're super good. AI. It's a helpful tool. It could be a source of great immediate information, but not so much on the creative side. Could threaten your job. We'll talk about that coming up straight ahead. Welcome back to the program. I think AI is on everyone's mind. And um, I think there's a lot of trepidation. Even the founder of AI is saying, whoa, there could be some problems here. Um but I think a lot of people see potential, too. Let's talk with Kalen Dorr um, and see what he has to say about it. How you doing, Kalen? Thanks for joining me. 
Of course. Good morning, brother. Happy uh, Happy Saturday. Yeah, same to you. I uh, I have not delved into the AI world. I don't have a chat bot. Uh, you know, I did download one of the apps, and after about two uh, searches, then I had to. They wanted me to pony up for it. I thought I don't think I'm going to pay up for this. I don't know. I'm not going to do that. I looked up my own AI, and they got it wrong. They had me as an oncologist and something else. So I I don't trust it. I don't know. Um, let's talk about AI. Uh, the the, the good, the bad, the ugly, and especially the impact on on the working world. What uh, you know? What's your overall opinion of where we're going with this? First of all, let's talk about the potential value to business and to individuals of AI as you see it. No, absolutely, and I think this is a really important topic. It's something that I think is really hot right now, and a lot of people think is going to go away. And uh, I, I just I can't a world in which, you know, humanity or society opens up this kind of box and decides to put it away, you know, it allows too many people to cut too many corners um, safely uh, and and become more productive in their day-to-day lives, right? Um, And it's really important people from, you know, backgrounds like yours, backgrounds like mine, uh, participate in these conversations because we saw what happened with social media, right? This was kind of the last dawn of technology. Um, and we saw that those guys, you know, our, our predecessors kind of sold out. They kind of trusted the people that make uh, social media to, to do the right thing, to not, you know, censor more conservative uh, aligned people you know, and, and so on and so forth, and you know, they kind of paid the price. So it's really important we're having these conversations because it does impact the workplace. Uh, you know, it, it, it can be a force multiplier in many senses, um, and, and I think, you know, the, the more people get creative with it, the more, um, you know, unforeseen uh, uh, consequences we're going to see. Talking with Kalen Dorr, who's the Chief Marketing Officer at Tusk, um, and um, we want to talk about Tusk as well and how things are going there. I know uh, Tusk, along with, uh, you know, we're reading about Public Square, and I know about Red Balloon, and I think there's an alternative, you know, conservative world developing, and I know that uh, you at Tusk, uh, along with Jeff Berman, are, are working on that. Um, uh, you were on with uh, with uh, the One America News uh, earlier uh, this year talking about a conservative chatbot called Gipper. Uh, tell us about Gipper. I'd not heard about that, but as I was doing some research, I, I sort of ran across that. What is Gipper? Yeah, so we basically had trained you know, oh, that's my, that's my wake up to uh, get, get on the radio with Randy alarm. I apologize. Um, we, we kind of trained ChatGPT to speak or answer questions from the perspective of Ronald Reagan, uh, which we thought was really, it's really important. It kind of speaks to what I was just discussing, where a lot of conservatives feel that they can't be a part of this conversation about artificial intelligence. Um, And this is kind of our way of, you know, kind of poking and prodding the the market into participating a little more actively. Um, It's a part of Tusk. Uh, and ChatGPT actually shut it down for the most part. Uh, you know, they reached out yeah. to us and said, "Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, you know, this the the AI chatbot that you're using. 
um, maybe thinks a little too sensibly for our tastes, um, you're going to need to cut that out. So uh, the Gipper is actually been dormant uh, for a few months now, and uh, you know, we're targeting a, a relaunch here you know, in the next week to 10 days. All right. Uh, I saw a CEO of a startup company. I forget whether it was on Newsmax, Fox. I, I forget where the other day. And they were featuring, I mean, the, the, the headline on the story was that he had, hi, he had fired, and I think it was, a, it was a tech company of some type. He had fired 90% of his employees, Kalen, 90%, because he said the AI is doing a better job than these employees. Now, I know you can't apply that to a manufacturing facility making, you know, Mr. Pillow or widgets. I get that. But where are we going with this? I mean, are people in the... Uh, is sitting in front of computers these days, or will they be looking for for a different gig pretty soon because of AI? You know, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, and I, but I do think people may, you know, have to learn new skills. Look, the the AI trend, um, the topic as a whole, uh, seems to be slowing down quite a bit. I know traffic uh, on the internet has uh, greatly slowed down, uh, and there are studies coming out now that are saying you know, chat GPT, which is kind of the leader in the industry, uh, is becoming dumber. Uh, it's because it's pulling from our materials and we're not getting any smarter, right? Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't think people are going to lose their jobs in math, honestly. Uh, I'm of the opinion that uh, this is just another way with which people, like I said, can cut corners smart um, and, and really, if it's done correctly, learn some things in a way that, uh, you know, we haven't seen since I would scroll through Wikipedia at like 2 a.m. because I kind of get down a wormhole about you know, who acted in what show and where they, you know, where they live and who they're related to. It's kind of the same thing, right? This is just a tool um, that have used the correct way. This is why you know, we've got to have those discussions about how important it is and how uh, how to use it. Um, you know, that, that's, that's why that's very important. Yeah, I guess it is sobering, though, that we have people in the, you know, leaders in the field. Uh, I mean, you know, like I said, the founder of it, the, you know, the, the, the big uh, Silicon Valley folks and the social media sites, they want, they're asking for regulation. On the congressional side, so I mean, there is, I think, there is reason to to be discerning as we move forward with it. What's your advice to folks that um, may be concerned that in this election cycle, that um, you know, on either side of the fence, conservative, liberal, that you know, uh, even from AI generated photos to AI generated you know uh, rhetoric and 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 campaign material, it's gonna. How is the average bloke gonna be able to figure out? you know truth from from you know uh truth from falsehood and and real from uh imaginary i mean it, that's the that's what tools can we use to try to discern do you have any idea there you know i i think it just it comes the answer to that question comes by uh, by kind of encouraging folks to um I'm trying to find a way to phrase this, more like meat in the middle, right? I I think it used to be you know, in this country you could, you and I, for example, could come on the radio and discuss an issue and leave having further developed our thought process or our opinion.
opinion on something topical. Um, now, most you know content is two people get on the radio and they leave with one calling the other a racist and the other a bigot, right? Um, mm-hmm. it, it's 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 all the the solution to this problem lies in injecting jet fuel in the engine of of the marketplace of ideas again. Uh, that's really where all of this lies, and that's what we're doing here um, at Tusk. You know, you can search for things uh, your your news results filtered through you know left, right, or center as a lens, and we encourage people to kind of use that feature to learn a little bit about you know something they don't necessarily you know agree with someone on. Uh, I think it's yeah. really important. We are just we're getting back to that place in this country because if we don't, you know, there will be hell to pay. Hell to pay. Talking with Kaylin Dorr, Chief Marketing Officer at Tusk, uh, and how are things if, if, for folks who may be, you know, hearing about Tusk for the first time? We've had Jeff and you on previously. Tell tell a little bit about what Tusk is, uh, what opportunities it offers for folks looking for alternatives to uh, the left wing dominated um, social media and and uh, IT culture. Tusk is doing really well. Um, everything is, is, is going smoothly. Uh, we're making minor improvements every day to make sure you know people have the quality experience that they're looking for, uh, that they deserve, too. Uh, so often in, in the recent history, these conservative-aligned you know, technology companies roll out a product that's not you know, necessarily uh, quality. Uh, and so we, we really strive to make sure that we're not one, another one of those, another one of those guys. Um, and we, we're relaunching the Gipper soon. Uh, and if people yeah. are excited, kind of about the free speech movement, uh, or f- about AI, any of those things, I encourage you to testbrowser.com. You can actually invest in the company. It's kind of why I'm here. I thought that was really cool. It was a really cool thing that Jeff, um, uh, was a proponent of, and I just encourage people to go on there and, and join us in this fight. It's it's one thing to, you know, decry censorship and decry, uh, you know, too too strong of a stranglehold by the left, um, and it's another thing to go out there and fight it. So, thanks for for fighting a good fight. All righty. Well, uh, you know, I'm an advocate of us uh, providing alternatives, uh, you know, whether it's in the shopping world or whether it's on the shopping on the Internet world for, you know, information. And so hopefully uh, folks will take a peek at that. Kalen, thanks for being with me. Appreciate it. Have a great rest of your weekend, my friend. Appreciate your input. Thank you, brother. Take care. Okay. have a good weekend. All right. You too. Hey, coming up, let's have a conversation with Tony Colombo. Of course, Tony, uh, one of the great uh, manager leaders at our station, this great News Talk STL Enterprise, and on air as well with Colombo and Katie. Uh, We're going to get a wrap-up from him on uh, sort of a little overview of how things went on Thursday night in case you weren't able to make the party and talk to you about some of the some of the happenings of our day, uh, you know, there's so much to talk about. It's always great to get Tony's opinion on that. So we'll be uh, coming back with Tony in just a just a couple of minutes here on the Randy Tobler Show. News Talk STL 1019 941. Be back in a few. 
Always climbing, always second guessing the timing. But God is Well, that's so nice of uh, of Tony to come up with that promo here. I man, a spontaneous promo. That's really nice. Thank you, Tony. I owe you the same, man. I'm getting to it. I just got I I couldn't even make the party. I got so many balls juggling in the air the other night. But it's great to get together with the great Tony Colombo here, a leader at this station and on air talent extraordinaire. Tony, how's it going, my brother? Good to good to talk with you. Good morning, Doc, and uh, happy second birthday to you. <laughs> yeah, I had I had the actual day reserved on Wednesday, and then you you pulled an audible on me, and so it came off on Thursday. Actually, the weather was I think better anyway, so it worked out better. But did Vic jump out of that cake, and it just didn't make it to the pictures? I was hoping, you know, Vic and his speedo jumping out of the proverbial birthday cake. Did that happen or not? Yeah, actually, yeah. He because but he he put in his contract that we nobody was allowed to photograph the moment, so that's why you haven't seen the pictures. That's great. <laughs> you had to that's be there. Great. Yeah, I hear it was a great time, and uh, yeah. So I mean, it's great the the meteoric rise of this station in a in in what is a very changing industry, right? I mean, uh, as broadcast becomes broadcast slash digital, and it's difficult not to mention in a pandemic setting to start and have the great success that the radio station has had. It's been fun to watch and be a part of. Uh, yeah, and you 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 said something there, Doc, that I, I have had mentioned a couple times this week. Uh, there, it, in a changing industry, uh, things in this, in our area, in, in our city of St. Louis, had changed. Uh, the radio landscape had changed, and... You know, guys like Jeff Allen and Joe Rush, the owners of our radio station, realized that change had sort of left a a large group of listeners in the um, you know without it without a without a radio station that they uh, that they had or or a type of radio station I have to say that they had had for a long time that they were used to, and it was the station that those guys and and many of us that are now with news talk SDL had helped built and, but due to uh, the radio industry and the way it works and, and those changes, uh, there was kind of some listeners that lost something that was pretty magical that they had for a long time. And I think that Jeff and Joe realized that. And, and that's why we created news talk SDL to, to give those people back uh, a radio station that they, that they can count on to deliver the type of conversations and debates that they're looking for. And that was a couple of years ago. And so far so good with this, uh, with this experiment. I think they, I think they were onto something and realized that there was, um, there was an audience there that was, that was looking for a radio station and hopefully we're giving it to them. Well, I, I know we're giving it to him because I am an, uh, an avid listener, whether it's on, uh, you know, on my cell phone or if it's on the, the web. I, I don't do the Alexa thing. I'm just I don't trust Alexa. I don't want anyone knowing my business every time I open my mouth. I don't do that. But I know a lot of people do so they can listen on Alexa. But I'm either on the web or I'm on my phone or, you know, on my computer, or of course, in the car on the on the broadcast side. So there's a lot of ways to listen. And there's certainly no shortage of topics to talk about. So I wanted to to dive right into that. And uh, we won't waste a lot of time 
playing any clips, although, uh, Leah, I did want to play the clip of uh, the New York Post columnist, Emma Joe Morris, for Tony. That's clip five. And, Tony, I know you and Katie were talking this week, as we all were, about the, the real bombshell testimonies, first from the IRS whistleblowers on, on Wednesday, and then, of yeah. course, uh, you know, the, the outrageous censorship hearing that started out with the Democrats wanting to censor on Thursday. But uh, but going back to uh, on that on that Thursday thing, here's a little clip from New York Post columnist Emma Morris. And she's the one that broke the story, the, the laptop story, which was squashed right before the 2020 election. And I yeah. thought it was very telling that she couldn't even keep a straight face when she described what happened. Take a listen. On October 19th, five days after the Post began publishing, Politico ran a story headlined, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former Intel officials say. God, I can't even say that with a straight face, you know? (laughs) Politico printed a letter completely uncritically from veteran members of the U.S. intelligence community falsely claiming that the Post expose has, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. My God. (laughs) <laughs> no I, and tony, <laughs> tony i thought it was great that she she basically poked the democrats in the eye slapped him in the face and then drove the knife deep in and twisted it all in one little soundbite it was beautiful wasn't it yeah i think that may be the perfect example of uh if you didn't laugh if we couldn't laugh we'd be crying you know i that uh <laughs> yeah yeah they, you know that uh uh that was perfect that was perfect and it is pretty incredible to look back and it, i mean it wasn't that long ago but so much happened so quickly that you it, it's important to remember what we were told what we were told and what what was reported back then and how this laptop story and this Hunter Biden story in general was hidden from us. And when we did learn about it or started to at least get a few details about it, we were told it was it was fake and it was part of, you know, it was Trump making it up or it was Russians making it up or it was them making it up together. And it was. And, you know, you had you had all these really impressive people and these in, holding these impressive offices that sounded very official. And they're all signing their name to the idea that this is a, a fake story. I mean, talk about being lied to across the board at a mass level. This Biden administration, the administration that told us that they would be the most transparent in American history has got to be, at least in my memory, Doc, the, the exact opposite of that. They, they're the most, they could be the most corrupt in American history, and they certainly are, are the opposite of the most transparent in history. They're, they, at, at worst, they're liars. At best, they are cover up artists. Uh, at a master level. No, you're so right. We're talking with Tony Colombo, of course, the brand manager at News Talk STL and on air every afternoon with Katie, who is, uh, I, she's not only our digital goddess, she also is uh, just uh, just such a great leader at the, at the station. Um, Tony, I got to get your reaction to this repeated pattern that we're seeing. The FD 1023 
uh, report comes out. I mean, we've known about it. We've heard about it. It's, you know, they first they 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 had it from the whistleblower. Then they were allowed to look at it in the secure space. Then they got a redacted version. Well, then it was fully released uh, late in the week. And, and Tony, we keep seeing this report, recurring pattern every time the walls seem to be closing in on Joe Biden. Wait for it. There's another Donald Trump indictment. <laughs> yeah. What say you? Yeah. Should I take off my tinfoil hat or not? You know, I, normally I would say that the release of information and how stories are disseminated and when they break and things like that are very calculated to distract people. But when it comes to Donald Trump investigations, I think that those are just happening so frequently. <laughs> there's so many of them, and they're so frequent that they're going to pop up and, and, and every couple weeks, no matter what's happening, because that's getting completely out of control. But, Doc, something I think that, you, that we talked about when you were with Katie and I on, on Thursday of this past week is that I, what is it? What is it going to take for the American people to demand that something be done about the two-tier justice system and this the fact that we currently have two full-blown criminal, not investigations, criminal trials. There's charges that have been filed, indict, criminal indictments of former President Donald Trump. One of the other big stories of the, of the week this week was him revealing that he is probably days away from being indicted on a third case. And we also were reminded this week that there is a case happening in Atlanta that we'll find out is if they're going to press charges in a couple of weeks. And if that, ha- if that happens, we'll go have gone from two situations not not just investigations we're all used to those but indictments charges being filed against the former president will have gone from two to four and yet we have a week like this where we get even more confirmation even more evidence very good evidence of the corruption and the scheming and the criminal activity of the Biden family, and they are still walking around without a single care or worry in the world. It's just, it's just know, so clearly, it's and just, that's not, and that's not the defense of Donald Trump. If Donald Trump, look, if Donald Trump has broken the law in all these instances, and he's got four cases against him because he's been he's broken the law this many times, needs to be held accountable, then that's fine. But you can't tell me. You cannot tell you. Nobody can possibly make the case that there's more evidence of Donald Trump criminal activities out there than there is of Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and the rest of the Biden family. So, well, and you know, you and I aren't the only ones that are dismayed, Tony. Yeah, you and I are not the only ones that are dismayed. Uh, Joe Ziegler. Who's, who's no John Birch. He's no, you know, Ronald Reagan, uh, the IRS yeah. supervisor who testified on Wednesday, whistleblower X. He was disappointed. Yeah. Here's what he here's what he told Megan Kelly the other day. From my perspective, being someone who has um, liberal beliefs and I, I am a Democrat, um, but I was kind of disappointed. I was kind of disappointed that the other side of the aisle didn't care about what we came there to say and and i mean i really want like people to understand that 
Gary and I essentially were just trying to do the right thing for the right reason. And at the end of the day, there were some things that happened as a part of this investigation. We're bringing those facts forward. And I think it's important for the American people to make that decision for Congress to weigh the facts. They're going to investigate this and we'll see where those facts lay out. And I think it's that that's the thing that struck me the most from yesterday is that it, it seemed like they they that, that there were certain people that really didn't care what we had to present to to Congress and that mm-hmm. that disappointed. That's frightening, isn't yeah. it, Tony? It it is, Zach. And and as I said, and as we've been talking about, that doesn't that's not the the voice, or nor does it sound like a a person who is advancing some cockamamie conspiracy theory that is a that's a credible that's a credible witness right there that's a that's a credible piece of evidence that in, in, in that he is that he's presenting uh special CIA investigator who identifies as a married gay democrat and he's bringing receipts against evidence, clear evidence uh, against Donald Trump and the are against. Excuse me, I'm so used to saying Donald Trump when we're talking about investigations <laughs> um, against against Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and the Biden family. Uh, that's what I'm. That's a perfect example of what I mean of of the strong evidence of the wrongdoings of the Biden family. It is not something that anybody with any type of that's, that's being honest or reasonable could ever say, Oh, there's nothing here. There's nothing here to look into. There's nothing. uh, There's, there's too much smoke for there not to be a fire. No, absolutely right. And in that 1023, I mean, the CEO of Burisma called Hunter a dummy. You know, he's stupid. And, well, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, but he, he was hired clearly just to fix it up. And he claims in that 1023 reported by the FBI agent. Now, granted, those are field notes. They're not, quote, vetted. OK, that's the that's the, the strongest argument the left has. But why would you write something down like that, uh, knowing the culture of bribery, the culture of corruption exists in those countries? Uh, you got Joe Biden on tape saying, yeah, I was going to hold back that billion unless they got him that Zorkin who was looking after uh, looking out looking uh you know to 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 get after uh the 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 ceo of burisma uh unless you fire him you know uh, that money's going away ukraine and oh buy that sob sob yeah it happened you know they've got all the evidence there the smoking guns there uh and and yet it's like there's nothing there there if your name is biden if your name's clinton you're teflon tony and that's a very look if this is allowed to go on what, no matter what happens to Donald Trump, if this is allowed to go on, I, I worry about the republic. I really do. I do, too, because I worry about people's trust in it. I worry about people's trust and faith in elections and what's the point of participating in them if there's so clearly a two-tier justice system, no matter who is in charge. I I have had recent conversations with you, Doc, and with Others like Crane Durham and Paul Kurtman on my show, and obviously Katie and I have talked about this, that as much as you would think that 
there something has to be done. My gut, until something proves to be different, I've been you know I've been watching this and reporting on on federal news and politics for a long time. And until something happens to show me that there's a, a, a there has been some change in the swamp, then I don't think that there is. I don't think I think that there's going to be the court of public opinion. I think anybody with common sense or people that do pay attention to news and politics are going to admit and agree that. Donald, or here I did it again, that Joe, that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden are criminals, but I, I'm not convinced that they're going to actually be held to account at the end of the day. And that is, that is sad. And it is, and I agree with you and it's getting to be so bad that if that doesn't change, I do. I also fear for the future of the country and because if people lose confidence I mean, like across the board, people lose confidence in our election system and uh, the ability of our government and our leaders to apply justice evenly across the country. Uh, that can, that's a very scary, that's a very scary thought and a very scary uh, proposition if that does happen. Yeah. Well, it came out yesterday, late yesterday afternoon, that um, the uh, the House wants to talk to that that House uh, committee on weaponization, or is it the oversight? I forget which one. Uh, maybe it's the judiciary at, at large wants to talk to David Weiss, that Delaware U.S. attorney, and figure out what in yeah. the world is yeah. going on. And man, that that will be a Super Bowl of testimonies from where I stand, because I mean, I think both can't be true. Either he didn't slow walk it, or he did, and either Merrick Garland did give him full and good and and wide authority to make charges, or he didn't. I mean, you can't both can't be true at the same time. So we gotta we gotta get to the bottom of this. Hey, Tony, I won't take any more of your time. You're too busy managing the brand at this station and running a show to spend more time <laughs> with me. But I appreciate what you gave me. Thanks so much, brother, for all you've done for this for the station and uh, and for the conservative movement. Appreciate it, man. Well, Doc, listen, thank you for joining Katie and I every Thursday afternoon. And it is a pleasure to talk to you anytime on Saturday mornings. So uh, happy to be here and hope you and everybody else have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks so much, Doc. We will. You too. Take care. There he is, Tony Colombo, brand manager. And, of course, from the Colombo and Katie show that you need to listen to every weekday afternoon here on news talk stl and remember if you can't catch us live you know just do the do the podcast thing you can always go to the web at newstalkstl.com or on your or on your uh, your phone uh on your mobile device and uh, on the app and you can listen there at your leisure when you'd like to leah when will the podcast be up from today monday ish uh, someday yeah monday? yeah one of the okay. two sounds good Oh, well, so you're going to keep us in suspense, aren't you? We haven't said so, but Tony Bennett passed at age 96. And uh, we'll uh, maybe as we come back into the next segment, we'll play a little uh, little Tony Bennett. There's a Bennett and Gaga thing that i got to send to Leah to play. It's awesome. Well, we'll play that coming in. And I want to tell you, you live in, uh, you were honored. If you live in Missouri, you were honored by being in the, in the, in the same club as Florida and Texas when CNBC ranked the best and worst states to live in it may not be exactly the club you're thinking of though 
We'll cover that when we come back and wrap it up here on the Tobler Show. Stay there. Well, there they are, Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett. Uh, Lady Gaga, I think, had a professional love, not in an Eros kind of a way, but in an agape kind of a way of Tony Bennett. And I think, uh, well, you talk about the last of an era, the great crooners. Uh, Tony Bennett certainly was one of them. 80 years his career spanned, 96 years old he passed the other day. And a guy who I think is... uh, whether you like his singing or not, it's something to maybe model a life after in terms of staying relevant, staying current, staying active, uh, being productive, and maybe even changing it up a little bit. You know, we see that throughout history, people that started in one place and ended up in another and um, used whatever God-given talents they had in ways to enrich other people's lives, however that is. Tony Bennett certainly did that. And I can tell you, I mean, his artwork certainly was, I think, well, Hunter Biden, you're no Tony Bennett when it comes to your artwork. Let's just put it that way. Tony Bennett's artwork was beautiful. Well done. And I think back to an NPR. Yes, I do listen to National Propaganda Radio once in a while because I have to, of course, know what the other side's saying. And I remember him talking about the elevator operator in his uh, in his building. I forget how it came, but it's the, the, the host was talking to him about, I don't know, personal matters quality life uh, excellence why you know the pursuit of excellence and you know just generally small talk like that and he and somehow that he started talking about how he had so admired the elevator operator in those days when the for those of you who may remember i remember when i was a little tiny tot the elevator operator at famous bar my grandma would take me there and maybe it was for the christmas thing you know when they have their christmas display now macy's and and the, in those days, Leah, you can't imagine this, but there was a day when they had like a little a handle and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like a clock face. And the elevator operator would have to actually bring up and then bring down a little bit and get the elevator to land right to where you stepped out of the elevator onto the floor. And it was a manual operation. And Tony Bennett talked about how whether you're a singer, a world-renowned singer like Tony Bennett, or whether you're the ele- elevator operator in a in an apartment building, how he appreciated excellence and a job well done. And I thought, man, what a every young person in this country should listen to that interview. I I, I wish I could capture it again. But he's sincere, and he said, you know, I reminded her, I talked to her all the time, thank her for her excellence in always landing at the right place on every floor for every patron and i thought wow that's great so when we when the elite look down their nose at people who do um you know vocational jobs uh maybe they need to give it another thought which is why i'm nominating mike rowe for president of the united states by the way today on the program but go ahead leah your thoughts about that what do you think about that kind of a mantra where we honor excellence no matter what it is you do in life it's an important thing to remember yeah yeah no i agree and so uh you know when your child tells you well, i don't all i do is stock the shelves i go and mr Cratch, mr cratchit just bums me out because i don't have all the labels facing right on the thing there's there's satisfaction and fulfillment i think we're made in the image of god and we're 
we are pleased as God is when we perform whatever role we're asked to do in an excellent way, not just punching the clock. And I'm afraid that we're in a time in America where maybe there's too many people that think all you have to do is show up and punch the clock and somehow you deserve a lot. You have to, as the old Smith Barney guy said, you have to earn it. All right, enough of that. Did you know, Leah, that if you live in Missouri, you live in one of the, well, one of the 10 states that CNBC said all gathered together. You're in the company of Florida, which is number 10 in their listing. You're, you're in the company of number Texas, who is number one. Missouri is number six. In CNBC's annual list of states, the best and worst, the problem is Florida, number 10, Missouri, number six, Texas, number one, among the 10 worst states to live in in 2023, according to CNBC, which shows you how deranged the left is, right? These are America's 10 worst states to live in in 2023 based on the CNBC evaluation. And they give a pretty heavy rating and an increasingly heavy rating to guess what? It's that ESG. It's that DEI. We consider multiple quality of life factors, including crime rates, environmental quality, and health care. We also look at the availability of child care and casting the widest possible net, CNBC says. Uh, they look at um, things like reproductive rights. So since Missouri was the uh, first, uh, that trigger law that went into, into effect on banning essentially all abortions in uh, Missouri, uh, the minute that the Dobbs decision came down last year, that thumped Missouri in the eyes of CNBC. Now, others would say, like Florida, like Texas, like the others, that actually maybe that's a good thing. Arkansas was number nine, Tennessee number eight, Indiana seven, Missouri six, Alabama and Louisiana tied for three, Oklahoma two, and Texas number one. Yes. Why is it if these are the worst places to live? Why, 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 CNBC? I have to ask you, why is it that People are streaming to Texas. People are streaming to Florida from the blue states. Now, where I think Missouri could be elevated to the number one, number one on the worst place to live and displace Texas would be if they would do away with uh, the tax situation, right? That would be the very best thing to do. Life, health, and inclusion score got an F for Texas. <laughs> weaknesses include reproductive rights health voting rights oh voting rights are another thing we on the heritage list are in the top 10 the last time i looked that was uh late last year um the top 10 in voting integrity that gives you a negative score on the left isn't this ironic this is where we are in america if you score well on Heritage's voting integrity because you can't vote for three months, there's not ballot for ballot harvesting. There's not we don't send <clears throat> ballots out to a flawed voter roll. Thanks to Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft's uh, uh, leadership on this. I mean, I think he's left a great legacy uh, in this area that I hope his successor, uh, you know, will will carry on. Uh, as you know, Jay is running for governor as uh, as are other candidates and uh, including um uh, of course bill eigel from this area well he's not officially announced do we have a caller lee i see you're on the phone there do we have a caller uh we did but we're almost out of time so they hung up oh who were they it was gene i told you twice gene that he was Reiner? on the phone <laughs> 
Oh, I'm sorry, Gene. You know, I wasn't monitoring the messenger. I was so busy. I'm, I apologize, Gene. Gene is one of my best friends and uh, really uh, is very encouraging on the show. And we, I'm sorry about that, Gene. I didn't really. You need to call earlier in the segment so that Leah can get my ear and like, you know, poke me in the eyes on the on the rumble feed here or something. Hey, that wraps it up. We're done. I've bloviated enough. Time for Eric and Bob to bloviate about your finances. That's always important. And later on, great programming all weekend. Remember, faith, family, and freedom. We love to say that because we mean it. We try to live it. Hope you do, too. And we'll continue to try to espouse that for the future of this great country as we restore those things to our nation. God willing, we'll see you next Saturday. Thanks all for being here. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me as he died to make men whole.